0: Welcome to the summer series of Culture Factor. I'm Holly Shannon. When I spoke at this year's NFT NYC, I used my downtime to interview the experts about their engagement in the Web3 space. We've talked on Culture Factor a lot about what Web3 is and how it's being used, but I wanted to try and understand why. Almost every person I spoke to had a similar reason for being part of Web3. They all wanted to help fulfill our most basic, fundamental, evolutionary need connection. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to explore the methods that artists, collectors, and businesses use to bring about connection. I'll break down the whys, not just the whats, of this new digital space we find ourselves in. Well, hello, Culture Factor family. I can't think of a better way to close out the summer series than with one of the architects behind the NFT. It's technically called the ERC-721, and the lead author of this is our final guest. We've spoken to many incredible artists, collectors, and businesses this season. We've talked about the user experience, design, trust, and a Web3 that accounts for social good. And we are now presented with the opportunity to look to the future. With that said... We should not make decisions to ignore ideas or make decisions based on present market fluctuations. Doing so means we act in the moment and aren't thinking sustainably. It means we discount the strengths to using these emerging technologies because we allow fear to drive away our chance to look at, study, and identify best use cases for this technology. If we consider the argument to embracing the concepts, we will prepare for the possibilities of a future, one that lays forth a more transparent supply chain and business for one, and you'll learn more possibilities once you listen in to William Entrican. He's our next guest. I also want to say that this tech can be applied with or without blockchain or cryptocurrency, So being open to the future iterations and taking the good things we learn can help usher in a Web3 ecosystem that is stronger than how we will leave Web2. So now, please join me with William Entrykin. Welcome, Culture Factor family. Today, I have William Entrykin with me, and we met actually at NFT NYC. And I'm going to say like for a tech guy, he kind of defies the norm for me. Like I watched him, uh, speaking on stage and he's so funny and, and really like in the middle of his speech was kind of like, well, I'll see you later and walked off stage and then like came back in. And I like thought it was really great. Like it was very engaging. And I think a lot of people when they're on stage are so serious myself included, because when I look back at myself speaking, I'm really serious. But anyway, um, hello. Welcome, William. How are you?
1: Hi, doing great here. Yes, that was that was a great time to meet. And you called me right before my performance. So what a great time to meet.
0: Yeah, you were you were like full of energy, but you were like smiles, like ear to ear. Like you were totally ready. I, you could just see it in your face. Like you were just ready to hit the stage.
1: I've done it a few times before. So this is the fourth... <laughs> NFT NYC installment, I think. And that's just one of many, many events out there.
0: So this is not your first rodeo.
1: (laughs) Not the first rodeo.
0: Excellent. Um, I want to do a proper introduction as well. um, But again, with like, I don't know if this was your, your uh, stab at humor, or it just came off this way to me. But when I was looking at your, um, you know, the little write-up, your bio, um, you have this choice of four words, (laughs) 44 words, or 50 words, which I just found so funny because, like, when you read the four-word one, it's literally a mic drop. (laughs) And I don't know if that was intentional or not, but the four-word is lead author ERC721. And Um, for anybody because this is an educational podcast for anybody who's not aware of that that is the nft that is like william is the inventor of it and i oh no i shouldn't say inventor wait wait wait, not the inventor (laughs) all right but like really close in terms of like the language and what you do and i'll I'll let you identify more closely so i don't botch that up but um, i'm just really excited that you're here for my summer series and um, to be able to to talk to everybody about what you do, so why don't you clarify on the bio for me?
1: Sure. So on the four word intro, it's ERC721 is a paper, and it explains what is an NFT, the way we would use it on blockchain. I am the lead author of this paper, so it's a you know a little academic. It's published, and you know journals cite it, so sort of sort of academic, but. You don't have to be a nerd to read this thing. That wasn't the intention. And so there were four authors and just my name's goes first, and that usually represents how much effort was put into the paper, but I'm not the creator. The creator is the second author. That's Dieter Shirley comes from uh, what is now flow and Dapper Labs and was Axiom Zen basically the makers of crypto kitties. And so he is, he's the creator, but in the history of, of this whole thing is uh, I, I came in and in his words, I got it past the finish line.
0: Nice. That's a, that's a nice tagline that you got it through the finish line. I actually had Dapper Labs on uh, the show a little while back, but I didn't have that gentleman. So maybe you'll have to make that connection for me and I'll reach out to him. Um, so in your mind, do you believe that the NFT has maybe started a revolution uh, around the ownership of intellectual property. Um, well, what is your take on it?
1: Revolution, well, I have a vision here. So this is usually the speech I gave last year. I've given the speech a few times at, at New York and it's a shame you didn't get this one. But one of the big, well, I try to zoom out and look at the big picture Revolution is a big word, so I want to do it justice. <laughs> well, you can take at...
0: movement. It's okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah. So right now I think what we're seeing is an is a easier way for new artists or lesser established artists to sell their work. And real artists ship, right? So selling is an important thing. And I don't, think, I don't look down on selling or commercial or any of these money things. I don't look down on that. Because artwork is about expression. And, you know, people buying things is part of reception. So, I don't know if it's revolutionized IP in general, but for some people that are more creative, I think it is very enabling. So, it's a stepping stone. It's enabling. Revolution, that's coming. So, these bigger things take time, and I'm still waiting on them. You know, I'm still waiting on these... I've seen the future. I'm involved in these projects. You know, I know it's coming. I've seen the, the little bits and pieces and I, I know it's when it's going to get here. I know what it is. And it's, uh, that's the revolution.
0: Yeah, I think it is. Um, it's on the edge of being embraced with a certain level of ferocity. Like it's, it's there it's, and we're seeing it with uh, brands that are collaborating, like, you know, you're Uh, Adidas with uh, Prada and that type of thing. So you're seeing it almost starting at a very high brand level, but would you say it was really more like when it was brought to light, was the thought process more like the, the individual artist?
1: Oh, the thought process was all encompassing. So you got to imagine 2017, 2018, when the only thing we had in, built in front of us, you know, tangible was CryptoKitties, pictures of cats that you could breed. So That's what was in hand, and the idea that we were thinking up includes all this stuff we're working on now. And so, back in the day, I was actually studying a couple specific use cases, and one of them is intellectual property. So I was at Licensing Expo, which is a place where they make deals. From, you know, you would go see a, pre, a movie pre-screen. You know, you put your phone in the box, and you go see whatever the new two, toy story for toy story before it comes out. And they got the characters in there and they, they want to sell you the characters for your lunch boxes and your, you know, backpacks and t-shirts, whatever they sell, buzz light your own. Right. And that's the game. That's intellectual property. That's what that, that industry is like, you've got a lot of levels of, of people involved. And so that's where I was thinking. I said, we got pictures of cats, but that's where we're going. So we better lay the tracks thick because we got some big trains coming.
0: Very interesting. Um, something that I've seen across the board, cause I've been in Twitter spaces. I've been in clubhouse rooms. Um, I've been on stage. I've done a few things that have put me in front of people who are learning about it and those that are using it. And I feel like it's a love hate, like a love or hate kind of relationship. What, what, what are you, what is your take on that? Like, do you, have you been getting that from the beginning? Um, why do people vilify it?
1: Well, people get emotional and they, when there's money involved, it's a, you know, it multiplies everybody's emotions. People are making money, losing money. And I just bought my first NFT a couple months ago. So I've been on the sidelines from all this stuff. For me, it's really about the long-term project. So Caveat, you know, except for a couple tests or a couple demo projects or something like that, nothing of value. Um, and, you know, I break contract. I gotta give caveats, right? So um, I've owned a couple NFTs, but just for test purposes, but I actually bought my first one like two months ago. So I try to avoid, you know, looking at these ups and downs and taking it personally. And, you know, the one I bought was really just to support a specific artist. So I'm not planning on selling it. You know, the best way to make money in artwork you know, is to
0: hold on to it right
1: is, is to buy something you never want to sell yeah
0: yeah right
1: so people are not following that advice they're learning the hard way uh the wrong way to buy artwork so that that's an emotional ride for some people and you know people ask me oh nfts are terrible they're hurting people they're i don't feel like they're hurting people i don't feel like nfts are walking up to your door robbing you and taking your money I don't feel like they're, you know, attacking you on the street. I don't feel like this is what's happening. I feel like some people that have the resources to put money somewhere feel like they're going to flip it with an NFT and some of those people are losing money. So I don't really feel so bad about that. I don't feel like critical infrastructure is running on NFTs, um, anything that you would know about. So I don't feel like these things on TV are, are hurting anybody. And so... I'm just gonna put that in the bucket of buyer's remorse mm. somebody bought something they didn't like it, and they're gonna burn down the world complaining about how terrible it is. well, you know why'd you buy that in the first place? I'm also involved um I'm, there's a there's a lawsuit and I'm witness i'm an expert witness for the the defense and it's like somebody bought a bunch of these things and they're using it and it was a' like a game five thing where there's not only there's NFTs, but there's also money involved. They got really excited about it, and then they lost money. Now they're suing, and they're complaining about a million reasons. It's like, well, if you didn't lose money, would you still be upset? You know, is this, is this really because you're upset for these 17 reasons in the lawsuit, or is it just because you lost money and you're complaining? So I don't really lose a lot of sleep over that. Overall, you know, am I up at night because these people are taking it the wrong way, or, you know, I have this grand vision, but... It's not being applied properly. Not at all. I see different phases here. So I feel like this is a phase. You know, this is going to run. It's going to run out of gas. We got another phase that's coming. And I, I see it happening. I see it clearly where we're going. And, you know, this is coming. It'll, it'll, it'll burn out. But the, the longer picture, it's totally, totally in motion. And that's really all I care about.
0: Can you give us a vision of what that looks like?
1: Yeah, so I'll give you the three phases briefly. So where we're at now is going to be new artists, so not established artists, with kind of a, an affinity for tech, focused mainly on visual art, pictures. That's phase one. That's where we are. And it's really easy to see why. It's just because you got to be a first mover. you got to jump in with these type of things. You're not, Nothing's really holding these people back. They don't have any contracts or brokers to worry about. So they can just jump right in. That's phase one. That's where we are. And that's starting to fizzle. Phase two is established artists. So these are people that my mom would know, people your mom, your parents, you know, your family might know, and still having some affinity for tech, but not necessarily in visual arts. That's a much bigger universe here. So we're talking about people that my parents or family would've got tickets for to see in person or... Also, if you go on IMDB, when there's, when there's a movie, there's a lot of people involved with these movies. These are the people I'm talking to, you know. Yeah, you've got the actor. What about the composer? What about the director? We're seeing that too. What about, you know, the effects? People that do digital effects. These people are leaving studios to go make NFTs. So that, there's a lot of people on one of those credit reels, if you ever watched the movie to the end. A lot of people there mm-hmm. and those people all add value and so i think some of them are tech affinity and they'll come in there and that's kind of we're getting there that's going to be the second phase third phase is way larger third phase is just supply chain i mean this is like the trillion dollar industry of everything that we do anything in your world that has a serial number on it can be an nft and by this point the nfts remember nfts don't have to be on blockchain so we can use these concepts in the existing supply chain or in the existing world. And so my, my vision here, or my mission, is that most of the stuff you buy, you're gonna be able to verify it somehow. You verify authenticity or maybe some seller claim. That's the whole vision. So I'm not trying to you know, disintermediate government, make a revolution, to you know, revolutionize finance. I'm not trying to do any of that. I'm trying to make it respecting people that buy stuff When you buy stuff, whatever it is on your AirPods or this speaker thing, this camera, some of these, these all have actually all three of these have serial numbers on them. This Nest, right? So all this stuff has serial numbers on it, which means you can track it. And supply chain has a lot of issues. Supply chain, you know, the supply chains are getting much more diverse, You're buying things in one country, the finished products go to another country. Specifically, I'm studying pharma supply chain, which has a lot of problems. But if you could just buy something, let's think about food. If you buy some food and it says it's kosher, you have no idea what that means. I mean, there's literally a religion around this. People, you know, there's a religion around eating this food. And I I think we can support people that care about what food they're eating, care about it a lot. They might want to check some of this stuff or they might want to have somebody else check it for them. But right now, you know, it's like, It's like Dave Chappelle, I think it's Dave Chappelle. Oh, my my leg's broke, what do you got for me? Uh, You got a wooden leg, we got a chair, weigh yourself around. It's like, uh, I wanna eat kosher food, what do you got? Well, we got this U and we just stamp it on your food. Eat that. (laughs) I I hope that's Dave Chappelle, it might be Chris Rock. (laughs) (laughs) It might be Chris Rock. And uh, you know, we got nothing for these people. It's like, okay, well uh, we stamp a U and uh, you know, it's good enough. Mm -hmm. I think we can do better. I think we can do a QR code where you might, you know, be able to look something up. And that's just food. That's the easiest to explain. But what about pharma? You know, there's a, I just happen to know a lot about pharma. There's a lot of problems that aren't as easy to articulate, but food is the easy example. So if you want food to be conflict-free, direct-to-table, organic, what does that even mean? Um, From, you know, with uh, animal sustainability, all these things, we can track these things. What does that have to do with NFT? It's the same thing. It's the same exact thing. With artwork, we're just applying these concepts to make sure that the artwork that you get from this artist and that you have is scarce, tradable, you know, looks good, shows up on a c That's what we're using it for today. That's, that's, what we're, that's, the, you know, that's as far as we're running with it. In the future, you're going to buy food, you're going to scan a QR code, be like, wow, and you might be able to click a little. You know, you open something up on a computer, it's like it goes deeper, deeper, deeper. You click, 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 click. You can like... Open the, there's a little triangle. I don't know why they came up with the triangle, but you click the triangle and it, it drops down and there's details and you can go deeper and deeper. Your food should be like that. So some people are allergic to certain foods and, you know, they're eating food that, that's hurting them or for religious reasons, people want to eat certain food. I want to support all that. So that's, I'm not saying my food, you know, I'm not saying me personally and my food issue is the vision of NFT, but I'm saying that where we're going. That's going to happen.
0: How, how far away do you think we are from that phase three where, where you can do that, where that traceability of the supply chain is going to be so transparent?
1: We're getting there. So I've seen some use cases. I've advised a couple projects that in pharma where we've done this. This is in production. So I'm not talking about things that like might happen. I'm telling you things that have happened. One company has vaccines for animals. It's a it's a pharma company that also makes vaccines for humans uh, under the same logo, and they have full traceability from the manufacturer to the warehousing to the injection. And so, not very far. You know, it's not it's not going all the way back to the ingredients of this, but this is in production. So when you if you are a farmer and you're buying these drugs, you are not you know using you're not using your phone on some like Web3 NFT stuff. they don't see the words NFT, letters NFT. but in the back end, you know, behind the scenes, NFTs are involved, and it's tracking this stuff, tracking it from here to there, tracking it from here to there, and it's in making incremental improvements. Maybe the supply chain's a little easier. Maybe tracking the warehouse levels is easier. You know how many are coming, how many are going. So these are baby steps, but it's already happened. So as I see this rollout happening in more places, it's just a matter of when do you want to stop ignoring it? So when do you want to stop ignoring that this is a better solution? And for me, you know, this is already starting. Maybe, I don't know if you'd call it an inflection point, but I think it's just pervasiveness within 10 years for that type of thing. So that's, a ten, that's a, within five to 10 years from today, people will start, You'll start seeing on like, there'll be a magazine that you read and page 20, they'll be like, oh, are you interested in how your your clothing is made? You know, we used to complain about child labor and uh, we, you know, we solved that. And page 20, they'll be like, oh, PS, it runs on NFTs. Remember that thing from 20 years ago that was front page everywhere? That's the same technology. Like, you'll see it there. It won't even be like a, it won't be on the front page. Child labor solved, you know. Organic cotton everywhere and conflict-free cotton clothing. That's not gonna be on the front page, you know.
0: Do you think it's slowed down because of the supply chain issues we're having due due to the pandemic? Do you think actually that's even further out than say 10 years?
1: No, it's already on track because the industries that need this, it's not gonna be like, oh, everybody wants to do this today and then it happens when it happens. It's a few specific people need it done yesterday and they're getting it done. Um, one of the things is related to Obamacare. So in the United States, there's actually a rule about drug supply chain security. It's about tracking the security. So this is even a security issue. It's like interdiction of these ingredients. They could be putting bad ingredients in there. It could be hurting people. This is this is a big issue. And Obama's been out of office for a little while, but these rules are big, and they take years to go into effect, and we're still working on it. Even through all of Trump, you know, we're still working on the Supply Chain Act changes from Obama, even into Biden, even beyond Biden, right? So these things take years and years, and they delay it, and they delay it. But one of the rules in there is all prescription drugs meet serial numbers, and they have to have interoperable systems. So you don't have to use NFTs for that, but these pharma companies are doing it, and they have, they have to do serial numbers. You can't not do it. And this is a very big effort, like serial numbers, you just stamp a serial number. I know one drunk company, they've got 80 people in this department just on the serial numbers. Interesting. So it's a, it's a big thing. Yeah. And so they put the serial numbers on there, they track it through the supply chain and you know, whether you use NFTs or something else, that's up to them, but it's happening. So it's not like it's five years and it's gonna be 10. It's gonna be five. The 10 years will be the other industries like conflict, con- conflict-free clothing or food sustainability. You know, you go to Whole Foods and they've got their animal welfare rating, one through five. It's like, okay, do I want to buy a one today or a five? You decide. And there's no QR codes. Probably good enough for now. People trust Whole Foods. What about Giant? You go to Giant, you know, are you going to trust their animal welfare rating? Do you think Giant cares as much about their supply chain as Whole Foods does? I don't know. But it will be the giants of the world that are just like, okay, well, we're gonna prove it to you. And you're gonna scan the QR code and be like, okay, well, I can trust that. I don't need to trust giant, I can trust this, you know, multiple things that you can verify yourself. Those things will get pushed. So that's gonna be the 10 years. Those things are not like, I need this done yesterday. Just like you said, you know, with the economy, with the supply chain, they move up and down.
0: Hey, Culture Factor family, I have been enjoying rosé over this very hot summer, and Harmony Wine has been my newest addiction. My friend Matt Harmon has not only created this delicious rosé from Provence, but it has these beautiful notes of strawberry and floral, and it's dry and super yummy, and he put it in the prettiest of cans that you can take to your picnic or a barbecue, Matt and I agree that the best rosé comes from the south of France, that's probably why we're friends, and he is going to be giving you, My Culture Factor Family, 20% off. Your Harmony Wine link is in the show notes. Are you working with, is it the same core four people that wrote the paper that are actually rolling out some of this, or no, you guys have dispersed in doing your own consultations at this point?
1: Very dispersed, yeah. So just very dispersed. I'm actually not in touch with them. I mean, I run into them online or whatever, but haven't seen them very much in the past four years. And we've all gone different directions. We all got in for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And so my reason is this mission. So I wanted to articulate it the way I said it to you, you know, half the things you buy, traceability or verify claims. That's my vision. And so for me to execute on my vision, I'm going to do podcasts. I'm going to teach I'm going to do advisory. I'm going to, you know, point people in the right direction. I'm going to build examples, build demos. I'm not starting my own company. I think that's too slow. So a lot of people say, well, why didn't you start a company? You can do this yourself. I said, no, no, no. We're creating an industry here. There's going to be a lot of companies doing this. So this is why I think the most effective way for me, just do advisory work with specific companies that are inspired and just support them other people are doing this for commercial. Uh, Dapper Labs is doing great. You know, we've seen NBA top shot. We've seen crypto kitties has been very successful. And so, you know, keep that up flow. That's all. This is all from uh, the same person, you know, just keep it up. They're doing a great job.
0: Yeah. They're really tapping into the brand relationships and, uh, you know, the indie artists, which is pretty cool. Um, let me just jump back. You said that you had purchased NFTs more as like a test. Um, and now you are, um, purchasing because you want something, you know, something spoke to you as a piece of art. So you're officially a collector now you are. And so sort of like a a three-pronged question on it. Does it have, um, utility? And if it did, did it matter to you? And does it have a roadmap? And if it does, does that matter to you? Um, and then I'll ask you the third question after you answer that.
1: Uh, this is easy. No, no, and no. So I'm not the collector of the artwork, but I'm the supporter of the artist. So somebody I know, good cause, no roadmap money's going directly to them for their own life, not going to some grand scheme that has in any way gonna benefit my my token. Mm -hmm. So I don't expect any value out of this, period. Um, I don't expect like a metaverse slash game. I don't have a roadmap. A lot of those things are, people should not be doing as much as they're doing with that stuff. Some of that is kind of the wrong direction. You know, sometimes that might be a security. You know, if you're buying something, but you expect it to go up in value and they're telling you it's going to go up in value and they're telling you they have a roadmap, it might be a security. Um, If they're selling you something with a roadmap and they don't deliver that, that might be false advertising. So I feel like a lot of these things are not going to be prosecuted, you know, if you're just doing some small NFT drops or whatever. But again, I'm looking for big picture here. I'm looking for sustainable like ideas that are going to run, you know, into billions and trillions of dollars. So I don't want to see any of that stuff. I don't want to see, you know, it's just my mindset. I'm always thinking big. So I want to be involved with projects that are, you know, doing the right things and set up the right way.
0: You know, I, I see both sides of it. So I'm an artist. I've always been an artist and I released my NFT, but I said from the beginning, there's there's no utility on it. There, I mean, there's not going to be anything unlocked. Um, and there's not going to be any roadmap. I don't want to um, set anybody up for disappointment if I'm unable to do it. It literally supports um, my show, myself, my art, and and the artists that collaborated with me. And that's it. You know, that's the end all be all for me. But I think for, for big brands that have the marketing arm, that have the, the money to build out just about anything they want, I actually think that the magic is in the utility for them, that there's something special about having a roadmap, especially as you go through the effort of building fans,
1: you know, the fandom
0: aspect of it.
1: This is a good point. I've seen a lot of people do it the wrong way. So I've seen a lot of projects that don't have resources or experience, and they just have an idea. And basically they're using NFTs like ICOs back in the day, back in 2017, 18. ICO is when you had basically like a Kickstarter, but just times a thousand times more money. So like, oh, I've got a cool idea. It would be so. It would be super awesome if I had a hundred million dollars to go do that. That's an ICO. I want to build satellites that float around earth to take pictures and something, something, something. Be cool if I had hundred million to do that. That's an ICO. A brand that's trying to launch a product and get people excited because brands don't know how to connect with their customers anymore and they wanna try something new. We're getting warmer. And then brands that actually have something that they're gonna deliver on with a real product team and the brand that has done stuff before and then connecting people into that. Now you're getting hot. So I, I, I draw a distinction there between somebody like you putting a roadmap onto your token and talking about how you're going to create and then something ridiculous versus a shoe brand saying, well, we have a new shoe coming out. We've made shoes for hundred years. We're definitely going to make the new shoe with or without you. And PS, uh, we want to draw you into the creative process. That's our roadmap. That's extremely believable. But if the shoe brand says, well, we're going to hire a game company to make a game, blah, 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 blah. Shoe companies don't make games and they did, it sucks. If they, if they would, it would suck. So don't put your money on a shoe company launching a successful AAA game with a game studio. Hope PS isn't the game studio, it's the people that left the game studio to go pitch the shoe company. They don't even have the resources of the game studio. So that's where I'm like, well, no, guys no, are a, out.
0: no, that's, a, that's an interesting uh, point to make. No, I'm, I'm glad you do that. I, I think I'm looking more at, like, let's just say, for instance, you know, like go back to that first example Adidas. I'm, I'm saying it correctly for my friend Cormac in the UK that corrects me all the time. Adidas and Prada, and they get together and they make, you know, a special sneaker. And then maybe the utility, it's not gamified. They're not bringing a game in, but maybe, you know, the unlockable part of it is they get some sort of like, um, colored shoelaces that they could redeem, you know, to like personalize that pair of sneakers for them. They get to choose, you know, one out of three colors. That's what I mean. Like by gaming it, like making it fun and, um, creating fans, but probably using the word fans was wrong. Cause that sort of implies a different kind of game. And I wasn't really, that's probably not what I meant. I probably should have had used a better word like brand ambassadors or something.
1: <laughs> but you're right. I mean, this, they have experiences making shoes and shoelaces. What could go wrong? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They can, you know, they can mix and mask colors. This is what shoe companies do. They design styles. They do collaborations. They mix colors. Now we're seeing a lot more shoe collaborations, but None of that is outside of their sphere. So I think they're going to be successful with that.
0: I agree. Let me let me ask you a question, William. You had said, um, I'm going to take you back in the conversation just a smidge here. So you had said that you just recently bought, bought an NFT a couple months ago. And, and like you, I've been very cautious about what I do as well. I've had people give ones to me, um, but I've been waiting for the right time for certain things. And also because I have a podcast and I just, you know, it's, it makes a difference what people see, what I do. Um, so I'm careful about that. Um, but what was interesting to me is that you bought the art to support that artist. And I'll go so far as to say for art's sake, like you appreciate that, Um, and you spoke about value. Um, so what I want to ask you is when you buy art as a collector, what is the value you're looking for? Is it, you know, the intrinsic value of seeing it in your digital wallet? Is it the ability to print it out and have it on your wall? Did that artist send you like something physical? Like, is it, the twinning, you know, the physical and digital, sorry, there was like a bunch of questions in there, but I know you know where I'm going, so I know you can answer that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I just happens to be that I know her and, you know, I support her work. We had actually done a collaboration together. So we had also joint authored an NFT that's still for sale and it was, it was good stuff. And I thought, you know, I want to support her and it's, I don't put it on my wall. I didn't get one of those TVs with NFTs on it. And I didn't plan on changing my profile photo. I didn't feel like other people would really get it so much. A lot of other people do that. So other people find value in a lot of different reasons. Some people, I think, wrote an article about the different value propositions for these NFTs, these art NFTs, and you know whether it's flex value. So flex would be, you know, if you've got one of these things and everybody knows what they're worth, and you put it in your profile photo, well, is that any different than you taking a photo next to your car where it's like, the logo's, like, right there, but it's, like, you're like you're kind of just, like, it's not in view, but it's in view. Nice. Like, what's the difference? <laughs> right. It's, right, like, right. that t- literally times 10. So right. it's, like, well, you with your car, and for 10x more, you could just have a picture of this animal on your profile photo, and that communicates the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I always want to tie it back. I always want to tie back the things you're saying. So I don't, I don't think we're creating new modes of value. Humans don't – there's no – The 21st century is not the century where humans unlocked a new value proposition. You know, it still goes back to the same things from millennia ago. And so I'm just drawing it, these comparisons. So I think the car picture, if if you've ever been on a dating website or seen whatever, it's like, that's like, what are you doing? What is this? That's what this is. There's a lot of that going on. And people are doing it, you know, with abandon now. Whereas it used to be like, oh, That picture is, you know, do you really need to show off how much you have a car in that photo? And now it's like, oh, when you do it ten times bigger, oh, you've got that thing that's worth a lot more than that. So they used to be shy, and now they're, you know, reckless about it, which is cool. You know, you be you. So that's one angle. But then you've also got, you know, you've got the art itself. I think there's a little bit of that. People that like the artwork, they like the colors you know there's some interesting stuff out there you can also just copy paste you don't have to pay for that so you know anybody can just copy paste this stuff and put it anywhere and that's a whole debate and then you've also got the artist so do you did you follow this artist before you know a year ago you know i don't think people just walk into a room and fall in love with artists all day are you the type of person that goes to a record store and talks to them about all the artists and then buys all the records because you just love all of them? No, then why are you buying NFTs like that? That's not, that's not the reason, there's a different reason. So we can definitely compare albums, buying records or NFTs or whatever. You, know, you, can, you can walk into a record store, find a record, love the artist, take a selfie with it and put that on your profile photo. And yet people aren't doing that, why? So then we have another value proposition, which is just, you know these are financial assets. People think they wanna get in or they wanna sell. And anything that's liquid is going to be like that. You know, you can buy stuff if you think it's going to go up in price. I buy a popular brand of computer every year. And yet when I sell it, it costs more because I buy it with student discount. You know, you buy it and then you sell it at the same price. So it's like me buying a computer every year that could be, you know, a liquid asset just happens to be that this brand of computer, I think you know what I'm talking about holds its value very well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Maybe you're in that you're in you're in that race too. Do you buy the new computer every year, and then you well, sell the old no, one? Well, no,
0: but I'm I'm a proud user of the same <laughs> one, so I, I I have all of I've always everything yeah. I have is Apple. Yeah, Oh, we right. said it. Oh, she said it. <laughs> I said so, it. Oops, But that's like that's how this works. Sponsorship.
1: <laughs> and um, so if you if you know that and you you buy these things every year, you know, is it for you? Is it really? Do you really need a touch bar? Do you really not want a touch bar when they got rid of the touch bar? And then they brought it back again? Do you want the new one with the touch bar if you just said you don't like it after you said you liked it? Like, do you really do I need, need that the
0: up? magnetic on the back? Yeah, the I, know, I
1: know, It attaches to nothing. It's not even attached here. Like, you didn't even get one of those wallet attached, right? No, I do, do have these? that.
0: I do oh. have that. All right, I'm going to admit, like, that is really clutch because I live in the city. So, like, I put on my little wallet on here and it's got like my my credit card and my license and I could just in right. my pocket and go. So I'm a proud user of that feature.
1: <laughs> cool. But it's like, why am I buying the computer? Is, that, is it that I love this brand so much? I just want them to have my money. Or is it, you know, when, when I can buy a computer every year, and have zero cost because I sell it next year for the same price. That's a financial asset now. So me buying a computer every year, it's like, I don't care if it has a touch bar or not. I don't care this. Basically, I'm just buying it. I'll get a new one. And, you know, that company's paying me to just sit on it for a year. So I basically get free computers every year. So for me, that's a different value proposition. NFTs can be like that too. You know, if you buy it and you know you're going to exit, it doesn't matter what it looks like. But there's different reasons. So you don't all the time. And they all get together and people lie. People, people say, oh, I love the pictures. They're not, they're not connoisseurs.
0: Mm. They're signaling. Again, it's that virtue signaling that they talk about. Um, and it took me back like when you were talking about with the with the car with the emblem thing. I immediately went to I know you had to have seen this, the episode of Friends where Joey dresses up in all Porsche attire and stands in front of the, <laughs> the Porsche and then the car disappears, so he puts a bunch of boxes and he gets the car cover <laughs> and he wears the whole outfit. I was completely taken back when you said that.
1: Nice. You did
0: see that, right? Yeah. You did see the episode. Okay. All right. So this is really amazing. I appreciate this conversation. And I have a left field question for you because I usually have these. So who do we have to blame out of the four authors that came up with non-fungible token? Could we have come up with a different way of calling this thing?
1: That's really? Dieter. That's oh. Dieter.
0: Okay, so, so we have, we have to he, give him a hard time. We have blame. Yeah, so he blame. came up
1: with it. And in the process, I wanted to objectively look at this, this actual wording. So I actually renamed it. So I renamed it um, because I didn't want to have, like, we were, we were actively debating this stuff. So I didn't want any of this, you know, the cement, the cement was poured and I'm stirring it. So it doesn't, so it <laughs> doesn't harden. I'm like. I love this
0: analogy. <laughs> right. So I
1: renamed it and we called them Deeds. So I said, don't, don't tell me you're gonna keep the word non-fungible token just because of inertia. There's a lot of stuff happening and I wanna get through a lot of memes and then you know, it can be non-fungible, I'm not saying that it's good or bad, but I definitely wanna you know, stir this before it dries. So we renamed it to Deeds and that was a whole thing and people are complaining, well, why did you rename it? Who are you to rename it? I said, it's part of the plan, you know, we're gonna rename it, we're not gonna have a vote, but we're gonna have in- community input, we're gonna go through the ideas, brainstorming phase I knew that this was important I knew that the naming of things is super important and so I did want to open this up to a lot of people so I'm responsible for running the choice process the name itself came from Dieter and you should see the options that we came up with there's there's some winners and losers in there <laughs>
0: we some. can't go back to some of the other winners Ken. Wait, it's too late
1: <laughs> you you can read them they're they're interesting you're and we're recording to- this, so I can't tell you which ones I like or don't like either. So <sighs> but but right. you can look at them. And they're you know, this, these discussions are permanent, so you can scroll back and laugh at anybody. <laughs> you know? That's
0: true. Well, you can you can submit the names to me and we can put it in the show notes <laughs> so that everybody can can take votes. We can do like a poll on LinkedIn or something. It'd be
1: pretty funny. Well, that's great because we did a poll four years ago. And so we can compare <laughs> the poll then versus the poll now.
0: Oh, I love this idea.
1: But, I think we definitely so the answer is. If you read the first sentence of ERC-721, it's non-fungible tokens, also known as DEEDS. So that was the runner up. So there's actually two names for this thing.
0: All right. And nobody went with DEEDS, you know, we're going to have to come after Dieter for this, you know, Yeah. tell him we're coming after him.
1: (laughs) You tell him, you just told all of his, his coworkers
0: absolutely we're coming for you from culture factor we're gonna see if we can rename this (laughs) this was awesome William you are just so much fun and um, I've really enjoyed this time with you thanks for coming on culture factor thank you so what do you think I'm on Twitter Instagram and LinkedIn Wherever you leave a message, know that I'll engage with you, and others will too. I may even share your thoughts on the show. This summer is coming in hot. Please share this episode of Culture Factor now and listen with your friends. It's always more fun that way. And don't forget the Harmony Wine Rosé. The summer series of Culture Factor was produced by Pale Blue Studios. And that person behind it is Avery Rogers. She is the creative force that took all of my interviews from NFT NYC and created the stories that you've been listening to all summer stories around user experience, design, trust, and a web three for good. I want to thank her for her efforts and I want you to follow her on LinkedIn. She's truly one to watch. Thank you, Avery, for making my summer series truly sensational and something that is just a body of work that you should be incredibly proud of and that I am too.